0: Good morning Faith Life, so good to be with you again. Thanks, Flick, for those encouraging words for Mother's Day. And uh, yeah, just a big thank you again, once again, to our worship team. Fantastic guys. Uh, it's just such a privilege to uh, share our journey with you. And and yeah, and thanks to Howis, especially Jacob. Well done, Jacob. That was brilliant. Thanks for sharing communion with us. Um, this morning we're just going to get right into the words, so uh, turn with me, we're continuing our series, Good News for Bad Times, looking at the first letter of Peter. So go with me to 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning at verse 1, and, and we'll, we'll pick it up there. <clears throat> so 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. And you know, when I was thinking about this, uh, this uh, message... One of the things that, that really stood out to me as I was reading this passage is that very often, you know, I find myself doing this, uh, we, we kind of live our life stuck with some of the things that we carry forward from our past. And and for many of us, that can be a real burden, you know, I, I find that, that there's things that where people have done stuff to me, where I've got hurt, where I've been misunderstood, where there's been uh, just really horrible things. And you find that that's, you know, that sometimes that can be difficult to to move on from, and it, and it can affect you in the now, and seems to be a never ending problem you can't get rid of. And for, for other, in other situations, when we look to the future and people say, well, look, have hope, look at the future. Um, we can get anxious about that, not knowing what's going to happen, how things are going to turn out, and so on. And it's, it's that sort of situation that Peter is speaking into in this passage. Uh, he, he's, he's dealing with those questions, because if we're going to be healthy in here, so that we can be whole out there, be healthy, have healthy souls in an unhealthy world, then we need to know how we can let go and move on from the past, and how we can go into the future with hope and not anxiety. And that's what he's talking about this morning. So, so let's dig right into it. First Peter chapter 4 verse 1. Therefore since Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh, serving human desires, but the will of God. Now, what, what's what's that about? Um, let me let me start with this, and you, you've probably seen that I'm, I'm leading up to this in the way I've I've set up this preach. But when it comes to being healthy inside, um, our biggest problem can be feeling that we're stuck in the things of the past and with the things of the past, and not seeing the hope that is in our future. And whenever we, we look at that sort of situation, and in order to be set free from that kind of debilitating life that we find ourselves in, where we just can't move on, we need to really understand what's the starting point of that. And this verse is the starting point. This is the starting point to a healthy life. And right at the beginning of, the, of, of this verse, he uses the word suffered, and, uh, and further on he, he uses the same term again and says has suffered and and what that's talking about when you look at the original text because people get all worked up about this verse and they think well you know you need to be you need to suffer like jesus suffered in order to be a better person that's not what this is saying when he talks about suffering it's talking about a definite event and not an ongoing process and more than that when he talks about that he's done with sin What it's talking about is a present condition determined by a past event. That means it's not an ongoing process, but it's a new reality, a new situation. There's something that has been done that is a dividing line that has caused sin to be dealt with and which gives us a hope for the future. And, you know, Peter's already explained in this letter that Jesus... When he died for us, he bore our sins on the cross and he carried them to the cross and there it was ended. It was a complete work. It was finished. He dealt with all the issues. He dealt with our sin. He dealt with that and he put us right in right relationship with God. And, you know, when we put our faith in Christ, we get the benefits of that Uh, salvation that he brought us on the cross that finished work you know uh, you know but it's not just that we get forgiveness for our sins because that's great in itself that's amazing that means that we are set free from our sin that we can move forward we can be put in right relationship with God and we'll go to heaven one day but it's not just about that because when we are set free from our sins when we give our lives to Christ and we say Jesus I'm putting you number one in my life I'm making you Lord of my life then a miracle takes place and it's in that miracle that is the 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 solution to how we can walk free of our past and go into the future with hope it's that miracle that does it and you know it's that miracle that is the great dividing line and and it's described as this we're dead to sin but alive to righteousness now what does that mean it means that From the very moment you became a believer, from when you first put your trust in Jesus, a miracle happened. You were given new birth, new life, new potential and new hope. There's fresh starting point, all things made new. So each day we, take, we can take hold of that and we say it's, this is a new starting point, a new day for me. I've got fresh hope, I've got new life, I've got new potential. Things are going to change around here, things are subject to change. And so, it's that point that is that dividing line. And, it, and it's from there that I want to try and help us move on from the things of the past and face the future with hope. Now, here's, here's the point that I'm kind of making up front. And you might think, well, you know, I'm not really sure about that. I'm not sure about that. But just bear with me because I'm going to show you it. Every true believer lives looking forward every true believer lives looking forward by that i mean that if we are really to live out our christianity to really serious about living our, out our faith we will live looking forward and he said, well where do you get that from mark where, where's that coming from well hebrews 12 verses 1 and 2 say this since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight and the sin that entangles and run the race set before us with endurance looking unto jesus who is the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand at the throne of god now what's the point of making the point is that the what, what it, what's been expressed is this. Every true believer lives looking forward. We lay aside not only the sin, but every weight that entangles us in our life. That's part of living our new life. Lay aside every weight that entangles us. And that can be all sorts of things, can't it? We've all gone through stuff. We've all experienced stuff. Some of the stories I hear... That, that, that you guys share with me and Pete, and I hear it from other places. People deal, have to deal with some horrendous things. But as believers, they don't have to consume and dictate our life. And they don't have to rob us of hope in the future. So we lay aside those weights that entangle us. And then what we do something else. We look unto Jesus. We lay them aside and we look unto Jesus because he started our faith, he initiated it and he's going to carry us through it and finish it. So we do that. And how do we do that? Because that's what I'm going to unpack this morning. How do you do that? Well, you know, one of the verses that people will often say are connected to this uh, comes from the Old Testament. And uh, it, it's this simple verse and I love this verse. It's from Jeremiah 29. And what it says is this, I have plans prepared for you to give you a future and a hope for good and not for harm. And yes, in its original context, that refers to the nation of Israel, the people of Israel, God's own people. But you know, as New Covenant believers, we are grafted into the covenant that Israel had with God. We are grafted into the blessing of Abraham, so that with faithful Abraham, we are heirs to those same promises. So the, the, the thing we're looking at here then, is what does God promise in order to give us that future and a hope? In order to get us free from all that stuff in our past come uh, strong in the middle of what we're going through right now and give us a future and a hope as we look forward. How does he do that? Well, and and it comes down, doesn't it, to this question, hope. What's what's this hope thing about? And in in Romans chapter 8, verse 24, Paul tells us that hope that he's seen is not hope at all. In, In other words, how can you hope for something you've already got? That means that if we look at what was and what is now, we will miss hope, because hope is always looking forward. Hope is always in front of us. Hope is never behind us, it's never right where we are, it's in front of us. Hope that is seen is not hope at all, because it's already happened. But the hope that we have to latch onto is what's in front of us. And how do we know what's in front of us? If we don't know what's in front of us, Satan will steal that hope. And if he can steal that hope, he can steal God's plan for your life. That's why it's so important we understand how hope works. So that Satan can't steal God's plan for our life. And, And you see, what happens is we, we go, okay, well, hope, that's kind of a, a, a vague sort of concept, is it? Well, no, it's not a vague con- sort of concept at all. We can have real hope in real things because we serve and follow a real God who has made real promises that we can rely on. And th- this hope that we have comes from what God has said. Uh, let me just read you Romans 15, verse 4, just to, to show you that. Romans 15, verse 4. Now may the God of perseverance and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, so that together, that's you, us church, so together we may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's verse 5, but what leads up to that? For whatever was previously written was written for our instruction, so that through perseverance and encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. Through perseverance and encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Here's just why it's so important. I I, I know I go on about this. I know I emphasise it. But if we do not know the word, if we are not people of the word we will not be able to operate in hope. Satan will steal that hope for us. He'll, he'll get us concentrating on the problems of life, he'll get us concentrating on all the horrible things that have happened to us, all the nasty things people have said, all the wrong things people have done, and he'll get us distracted and he'll get us into that and he'll rob us of our hope. Where does hope come from? It comes from the Word of God. It comes from the promises that God has made. And therefore it's so important that we know the Word. And you know, little sound bites that you see on Facebook, that's not going to get you there. Um, Little self-help messages, they're not going to get you there. We need, as a people of God, a people of faith, to know the word if we're going to have hope for the future. And one of the reasons so many people find it so difficult to have hope and see hope in the future and to walk free of the past is that they do not know the word. They've mistaken listening to an occasional sermon and a few quotes on Facebook for knowing the word. And that is not the same thing. We need to know God's promises. We need to be able to find them when we want to rely on them. And we need to have them deep down inside ourselves so we can believe them. So we need to know the word. And where does that come from? Where do those promises come from? They come from what Christ has already done. Christ has already paid for something for us. And it's that deposit, that inheritance that is ours, that is the hope that we look to. That, that inheritance that Jesus has already paid for. Um, if you want to know where that comes from, Ephesians 1.18. Let's just turn there quickly. Ephesians 1.18. That the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened, that you will know the hope of his calling... And what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance among the saints? Our hope and these promises that are always yes to those who will believe them. Rest on the inheritance that Christ paid for to give us. And you know the Holy Spirit from that point on when we give our lives to Christ. The Holy Spirit is speaking hope to us all the time. And how do we receive that? How do we get hold of that inheritance? How do we get hold of that thing that's out there and, make, and, and get hold of it so that it becomes a reality in our lives as we move forward and we run with perseverance, that race that's set before us? We get hold of it by faith. What's faith? Well, at a very simple level, faith is putting God first in your life and putting your trust in God. Not in yourself, not depending on others, not depending on your own abilities, but putting your trust in God and believing what he says. Now, why is that key? Because faith is the substance of things hoped for. So that as we go forward in our life, looking forward all the time, faith takes hold of the things we hope for and gives them substance. And that's where we start to walk our life in the blessing and favour of God and with access to this inheritance that he's given us. Now I know these are big concepts, they're deep things and what I'd encourage you to do is listen to all this again. Listen to it two or three times, listen to it more to get it really deep down inside you. Remember, you need the word inside you. And so with all that said, that's kind of the the theology behind all this. I'm going to go on to look at some uh, kind of Conclusions from that. How do we walk free of all that's behind us, not get stuck in the mess we're in, and go into the future with hope instead of anxiety? Well, here's a really simple principle. The direction you are facing determines what you see. The direction you are facing determines what you see. Now, there's not many hills in Cambridgeshire, is there? But just down the end of our garden, at the end of our road, there's actually one of the hills and it's called the the Gog and Magog Hills. Not very, well, very biblical, but not very encouraging. But that's what they're called. And because they're the only hills around, we go for walks up there. And when you go up up to the top of the hill, if you look one way, so we we look back to where we come from, we can see uh, Addenbrooke's Hospital, this huge hospital, and we can see some of Cambridge and if we turn the other way we see open beautiful countryside and you can see for miles now here's the point when i'm looking at that open beautiful countryside i cannot see what is behind me so it's really important that we know which way we're looking and you know it's like this that if i'm um if i'm looking back to my things that are in my past if i'm focused on those if they're taking my attention if, if that's filling what I talk about, what I think about, what I engage in conversation with others about. If I, if I um, do that and that's where I am, then it stops me seeing the hope in the future in this direction. So what the direction we are facing determines what we see. And you know, one of the things that uh, you probably know about me is that I was a, a very a keen comic collector and you know i collected superhero comics in as as i was growing up and everybody in those days thought you were a bit of an idiot if you collected superhero comics and 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 now that they've they've gone all super valuable after um all the marvel movies and the rest of it people don't think you're such an idiot anymore but the the reality is this that um what what i'm talking about is that a lot of these marvel characters that i used to love were uh, at least in part created by a a guy who's kind of entered folklore, a guy called Stan Lee. And Stan Lee in uh, the Second World War, when he was a young man, he was engaged by the American army to write uh, encouraging things that they could send out to the troops on the front line and encourage people to really get behind the army uh, and so on. And when he came back and, and the whole Marvel thing took off, he started like a fan club. And this fan club uh, was for people who really like Marvel Comics, not its rival DC, they love Marvel Comics. Um, and this fan club that, that I picked up on, originally it was called the Merry Marvel Marching Society. And uh, that probably comes from his, his time back in the army. It changed later on to a a, a, crew, a club that they, they renamed Foom, F W O M, a uh, little bit of like pop quiz stuff for you there it was called FOOM which stands for Friends of Old Marvel yeah they're not great names but he, he thought they were good but one thing he would say and he, did, he used to do these letters pages for the fans and that sort of thing and over and over again to, to the people who were part of this club he would say this uh, face front true believer face front true believer and although he didn't know it that is just such a key principle For us as true believers. Face front true believer. Face front the true believer that you are. You see, the problems of the present and the opportunities of the future are never solved in the past. The problems of the present and the opportunities of the future are never solved in the past. Let me just uh, go back to this passage in 1 Peter, just pick it up at verse 2. So that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh, serving human desires but the will of God. For in earlier times of our lives it may have sufficed us to do what the Gentiles like to do. When we walked in immorality, lust, drunkenness, carousing, debauchery and, and idolatries, and they are surprised that you don't join in with them in the same excess of wild living. And so they go around speaking evil to you, speaking evil of you. They will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel was preached, etc, etc. Now, where am, I, where am I going with this? Here's the point. You cannot change your past. You, you just can't. You cannot change your past but you can decide how you're gonna live out your future. You can't change your past, but you can decide how you're gonna live out your future. You choose where you live your life. You choose what you're looking at. And you've got a choice now. Are you gonna live as that old person who is just stuck in the things of the world, who engages with the world just the same as everybody else in the world does, Or are you now going to be that new creation with the new start, the new life, the new potential, the new opportunities and a brand new future in front of you which the past cannot destroy? Your past does not determine your future. The only thing that determines your future is whether you're looking backwards so you can't see your future or you're looking forwards and you've got Jesus set before you. You've got your hope set before you. That's what determines your future. But to see your future, you will have to stop looking at your past. Now, hopefully that that kind of makes sense. But really, you know, there has to come a point in every believer's life where they walk free. We don't want to be 60, 70, 80 year olds still living with the stuff that we carried when we were 15 or 10 year olds. That would be ridiculous. But many people just drift through their life unable to move on. Because there needs to come a point where we draw a line in the sand and say that stuff does not hold me anymore because I am a new creation, I have new life in Christ and I'm moving on. All that stuff, what was done to me, that what those people did to me, what happened to me, what 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 hurt me, all that stuff, it's had enough of my life. It stops now. I'm going to spend the rest of my life... Uh, Moving on, keeping my focus on Jesus. I'm not going to spend the rest of my life trying to fix something I can't fix. Trying to fix people that I can't fix and don't want fixing. I'm not going to spend my life doing that. I'm going to move on. So, you know, but that gives rise, doesn't it, to all sorts of stuff. That we don't necessarily understand like, how do we get there in the first place what happened how where did it all go wrong and we all have these questions so what do you do when you still got those questions and you want to move on well you know the thing that happens is when you've got those questions you can't always see how anything's going to change how uh, things are going to be different in in six months time or a year's time than they are now here's where peter comes in let's go to verse 7 see what he says really important the end of all things is near therefore be solemn and sober so you can pray now why is that significant well you might remember in an earlier message he'd said something pretty much the same now let let me put it in my language what he's saying is this get your head on straight if you don't have your head on straight the enemy is going to steal your hope from you and more than that if you don't have your head on straight all those people that messed up your life already they're going to carry on messing your, up your life even though they're not still around because you're carrying that so you need to get your head on straight now what does he say he says be solemn now that's not the christian thing you know christians are very solemn it's not that kind of solemnity i know we you know some christians actually kind of operate like that but uh, not here but what it means by those words be solemn, they, they've got a, a particular meaning, and it means sober minded or truly balanced in your assessment. Sober minded or truly balanced in your assessment. And then and, and the word that is translated there comes from two root words, which means safe and regulation of life. And and strangely, that's that the same root words is where we get our English word diaphragm from. And what it's saying is that in order to breathe the fresh oxygen of life that is yours you need to breathe out the old and breathe in the new you need to go okay let's just stop here let's just pause let me get my head on straight let me breathe out the hold i am not that person i am not bound by those events they are not going to dictate my future i am not going to live with them anymore and breathe in the new life of christ The hope that is set in front of us as we look to Jesus and we rest on the promises of his word. Okay, and then he uses this word sober. Sober, What's that mean? It means uninfluenced by intoxicants. It means exactly what it is. It means you're not all over the place, going here, there, you know, not focused, not able to, uh, you know, operate properly, falling over. It means having your wits about you, being clear-headed, clear-thinking. And what's the purpose of that? What's that purpose of that reset, that get your head in straight? What's the purpose of that reset? Well, he tells us, so you can pray. So you can pray. Why is prayer so important? We know as Christians, don't we, that prayer must be important. It's like, what's important to do as a Christian? Pray. Yes, good answer. You know, we know that, but I think we don't pray as we should because we don't understand how important it is. Prayer is so important because it puts our eyes off us and onto Jesus. It determines where we are looking, what direction we are looking. You see, you can't pray to Jesus and be looking away. When you pray to Jesus, you're looking forward. You're looking at him and you put your thoughts on him. Not on your past, not on your present, not on other people, but on him. And he's the one who gives you that future and the hope. He's the one that's made that de- those deposits called your inheritance. He's the one that, that you look to as by faith you take hold of those deposits of your inheritance. And take hold of that hope. And it becomes substance in your life. You know, um, when, we, when we put our trust in God, when we put God first in our life and we put our trust in him, you know we 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 take hold of that new life that is ours that life of new life new life new potential new opportunities and and all things new because we're now looking to jesus and that is just so key now what then happens well he talks there doesn't he about having unfailing love i mean i i I read words like that and i go as my love kind of it's a bit on and off. It, it kind of does pretty well, but there's some occasions with one or two people where it's just badly struggled. And I think if we're honest, we, we, we've all got things like that, haven't we? Now, that word unfailing love, the, the word translated unfailing there, what it, what it actually literally is, that word is stretched out. So it's talking about stretched out love. And, and it's talking about love that isn't just easy it's a stretch it's difficult you've got to reach for it but as we follow Jesus and put our trust in him and we know he's for us and not against us then we are able to love in a way that we couldn't love when our dependency is on ourselves we're able to let Jesus love others through us to walk in that stretched out love that goes further that that perseveres, that endures. So we live that stretched out love. We are rooted and grounded in love. And, and the question keeps coming back, doesn't it? What if I can't do that? What if I can't seem to just crack it? And, and I was said to God, okay, well, what if I'm like that? What if I can't crack it in this case or, 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 or whatever? What do I do? And he said, well, same thing. What direction are you looking at? Are you looking at who you were who couldn't do that stretched out love? Or are you looking at who you now are and can do that because our hope does not fail us because the love of God has been shed about in our hearts. We can walk in love through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. And so he's saying, you know, how can I I summarise this? You cannot become who you are and who you are called to be. By looking at who you were and what you or others fail to do. You cannot become who you are and who you are called to be. By looking at who you were and what you or others failed to do. The two just cannot exist. You cannot look in two directions at the same time. You have to look at who you are and who you are called to be. Because if you don't, the past has the ability to draw us back into it. The past is always pulling at us. It's always tugging at us. Because the past has real people in it with real situations and real repercussions. And if we don't look at who we are and we don't look at who we've been made and we don't look at who we're called to be, we will start looking at that stuff and we will get pulled back into it. Now, where, where, do I, where do I get that from? Well, I get that from verse 3 and 4, where it said, For in early times of our lives it might have sufficed us to do what the Gentiles do, and it lists a load of things, and it says, And though they are surprised that you don't join them in the same excess of while living so they speak e- evil of you. When we want to get away from stuff the people who we're getting away from and the incidents we're getting away from and the life that is behind us and all that stuff that's been messing up our life which we can't fix and we can't fix the people they're not going to say great things about us they're not going to understand us you know they're going to think we're idiots they're going to think we're fools because faith in God appears foolishness to man and that's the truth but but So if we start looking, if we're constantly looking at all that stuff, it keeps pulling us back into it, it keeps pulling us back into it. That's why it's so important that we look and determine where we're looking, who we are and who we've been called to be. And keep our eyes set on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, for the joy that is set before us that he paid for on the cross. You know, uh, the problems of the present are subject to change in the future. I I know sometimes you can think, how is this ever going to change? But you know, I've said this so many times. The facts do not change the truth. But the truth can change the facts. And that means the problems of the present are subject to change. Everything in your life is subject to change in the future. If you make the right decisions about where you're looking. You know... And how how do you do that? How does that happen? Well, you know, we live according to God in the Spirit. We pray, we hear his wisdom, we gain his understanding. We get heaven's perspective. You know, that's why we pray. That's why it's so important that that we uh, get our head on straight, stop looking backwards, And so that we can pray and get heaven's perspective. See things from heaven's side. And when we can do that, so we can see well. And you know, I just want you to remember this. Heaven's perspective is your eye corrective. Heaven's perspective is your eye corrective. It's about where you're looking. And where you're looking determines what you see. You know, prayer is our lifeline connection to God. It's the conduit by which we receive God's love, it's the conduit by which we receive his life, it's the conduit by which we receive his healing, it's the conduit by which we receive his joy. Prayer is our our time when we come alive before God. And we come alive inside so that we're healthy inside when everything around us is unhealthy out there. And so what's the, what's the end of this? Well, well, Peter, he, he goes on to say, and he, he goes on to talk about using our gifts. Um, this, this is what he says. Um, verse 9. Show hospitality to one another without complaining. As everyone's received a gift, even so serve one another with it, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone serves, let him serve with the strength that God supplies, so that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Face front, true believer. Face front. Look at what you see. You know, if we are living now for Christ's glory, we will in love serve others. We will in love care for each other's. We follow a servant king who calls us to follow him. No matter what life is like, you know, and and I know this so much from my own experience. I I know this, that, you know, when I was uh, in my early 20s, I, I had a real bad bout of depression. And one of the things that really set me free from that was a choice I made which was even though my life was a mess, even though I couldn't see a way out, I was going to serve others, I was going to help others, I was going to love others, I was going to get involved and and serve in my church, I was going to get involved in giving, I was going to get involved in helping and you know what happened? It helped me because it got my eyes off me and onto Jesus and onto helping others and loving others. So we serve, not just for Jesus and his glory, but we serve because it helps us too. It helps us in keeping our eyes face-front like a true believer with our eyes set on Jesus. And, and in using what we've, we've been given, we give hope to others and we receive hope for ourselves. You know, God's life becomes real to us as we live out the new life in the gifts that he's given us. And, and I got to that point and, and I was looking at this passage and, and it just sprung up into my mind. The, the words of that, that amazing hymn. I, I just absolutely love this song. You know, when, we, when I start with the verse, I'm just going to read you a, a little bit of it now. But when I start with the verse, you might think, well, where's that come from? But just, just go with me. O soul, are you weary and troubled? Know a light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Saviour and life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face and the things of the earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. His word will not fail you, he promised. Believe him and all will be well, then go to a world that is dying his perfect salvation to tell. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this world will go strangely dim. In the light of his glory and grace. The direction you are looking determines what you will see. So face from true believer. Look into the author and finisher of your faith. Who is giving you an inheritance, a hope to be grabbed hold of and received by faith? Amen. Amen. Faith life. It's been such a such a joy. There's some big concepts in that piece. There's some big concepts in that message. I want to encourage you to to dig into it, to go over it again. It'll be up on YouTube. You can watch it again on Facebook. But go back and listen. Go back and listen and and understand it because there is such power in what Peter is saying. There's such power in setting us free from, from our past to walk into a new life of joy and freedom and hope. So have a great week. We look forward to seeing you. We're moving closer and closer to meeting physically again and and Cheryl and I we we miss you but have a great time have a great time today have a great time the rest of the week and we'll be back next Sunday. Amen.